And I learned something today at lunch. We're similar, but different. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Same, yeah. same, but different. Yeah. In Bulgaria, there's a, a phrase for this, actually. I, and I, I can't say it because I'm not great at Bulgarian after the 3,000 years that I've spent there. But they have a saying that is exactly the same, but totally different. Yeah. So you're like, oh, is it kind of like this? And like, yes, yeah, exactly like that, but, but totally, totally different, different, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's us. And I learned that today at lunch as we ordered the exact same meal, but totally, but totally different. different. Yeah. 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 Like Drew, me and Drew both got the tendies. Yep. I love tendies. Yeah, he does. He loves, I mean, I mean, you think of a child's plate. That's what I want. And he wants I it. want everything on And that. then this has been said about me for year, years, and I'm finding it to be more true when I'm with you. That I have the palate of a child with money. That's what <laughs> that's what Jameson says. He goes, Ben is just a child who has a little more money than he had. <laughs> not that I have a lot of money. I do not no. have a lot of money. But yeah, today I did grilled tenders. Yeah. You did mac and cheese. I did green beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You did what else did you do? Fried uh, apples. And I did hash brown casserole. You did a Coke. I did an unsweet tea. Yeah. And so Yeah, you said unsweet tea and I was like, oh no, he must be going through a rough patch. <laughs> That's not good. Not right. I didn't okay. order hard drugs. I know, I know. Like, but unsweet tea. <laughs> Bro, you can get a sweet tea. I just added Splenda to it. it I know, but like they'll do that for you if you <laughs> ask. Welcome back okay. to Continue Conversations. This is Pastor Ben Nelson. I am Drew Mercer. Yeah. We've had an unfortunate event happen. It's a, a series of unfortunate events, to yeah. be honest. It's a it's like a, I think it's a three week series that we didn't know. I gotta <laughs> be honest, know I need to apologize first. Yeah, you did, because yeah. you you hit the congregation real hard. I was upset that people quit texting in out of nowhere. December thirty first was the last full text. Because we were doing we great. We were getting questions on yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing great. Yeah. And I'm just like, why are they not sending in questions? And this Sunday, I came down pretty hard on you and said, you need to send in questions. We need content. You could be helping someone spiritual. Like, I did, like, yeah, you Jesus did a whole jukes thing. on them and everything else. Come to find out, the organization, company, corporation that we use to use our phone number to get text messages and to send text messages, um, it's just not working. And so we are not getting text messages currently. For some reason, it's taking this organization. I'm not going to rat out who they are, but if you do look at the opportunity to text people within church on Google, it'll be the first in your search. Um, is <laughs> They are taking like many a days to try to figure this out, but um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have it figured out soon. And so because I'm very sorry about that, um, hopefully this Sunday we'll have it fixed. So today, instead of not doing a podcast, we're just we just went to lunch and talked about questions that I want to answer. Yeah, so these these are a few of Ben's favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. And um, they have nothing to do with the message. You want to no. give a little like, hey, this is, we're in a series called The Patterns of Jesus. You're doing great. And we talked about trust mm -hmm. and simplicity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we are. We're in a series about the patterns of Jesus. 
you, what you produce is a byproduct of your patterns. And if we want to produce the things of God, then we need to look at the patterns of Jesus. And so um, these will be kind of, many of them will be countercultural patterns. Like this mm. week is rest and renewal. We don't know how to rest well. We're very busy people. Right. Um, one week we're doing uh, fasting and praying. We're doing serving and loving. We just did trust and simplicity. So yeah, four weeks. Yeah. And then after the end of this, we'll hop into a Lent series called Into the Wilderness. Are we out of the woods? Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that was great. So you should definitely be there on Sunday. None of the questions we're about to answer have anything, anything to do, do with, that with that. Because the questions that you definitely sent in. Yeah, we know many of you sent in questions. We have no idea what they so are. So we will play catch up soon. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll get you to resend them in if, if this organization does not get all the questions that you sent. We will if ask not, we'll you to resend them. We'll just do it by uh, Raven and Quill. Hmm. That's two people who sell coffee in Portland. Just. <laughs> that was a good joke. All right, let's hop in. Let's answer some questions. These are a few of Ben's favorite things that have nothing to do with the patterns of Jesus. Yeah, I love it. Un unless he ends some, up talking now, about the patterns of some Jesus. Some of my favorite things are the patterns of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he may end up talking about the patterns of Jesus. Probably. In which case, mine. I'm incorrect. But let's get into it, okay? Good. Let's get into it. Okay. And these are also questions that I get asked a lot, like, in conversations. Right. And so I think it's just good ones to answer. Yeah, 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 for sure. Here we go. Why do we have so many denominations, and which one is correct? Mm. Ours is correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I will state that though I have studied church history a lot, I would not consider myself a church historian by any means, but we can kind of, well, we can pretty clearly track back denominations beginning at the Reformation. And so we had, um, uh, you know, so Jesus birthed the church, the, the church then became the Catholic church, which then had sects of Orthodox churches, depending on regions a little bit, but still very much kind of one church. And then the Reformation happened because there was people who believed that we only need scripture and that tradition had become too much of a part of the church. Mm. That's a oversimplifying of that. And that all we need is scripture and scripture alone. And so then the Reformation happened and the Protestants broke off from uh, the Catholic church. And so at the moment, again, I could be wrong. I feel like they were like, well, this is it. There's just two of us, right? We have those that believe in Scripture alone. And we have those who started right, but the Protestants believe they had gotten off because of the practice of tradition and putting a heavy weight on tradition versus Scripture. And then it did not take long between Scripture alone, meaning if you don't read Scripture like me, you're a heretic. And mm -hmm. some of them were. Um, but then we have even denominations like that are around today, like the Anabaptists, who um, uh, who are big against um, war and um, against um, any kind of hurting of others, because they believe that's how they read scripture. And they were very persecuted from in the beginning of the Reformation. And so, all that said that reformation opened up the opportunity to say, if we don't agree, we just split. Right. And I love the reformation. Let me, let me back up. I am a Protestant evangelical pastor. 
and I believe that lots of goods came from that. But there was one part of this that was saddens my heart is that we were one church prior to this, and there are some things that got in the way of that being able to remain. And though there needed to be a change, I think it's sad that we didn't have enough margin within our faith for there to be an internal calibration, so there had to be an external exit. Um, and I do believe that has set the course for we disagree, so we exit. We disagree, mm -hmm. so we bring another denomination. We disagree on this one thing, so now we form another denomination. And we've done this now to where there are thousands upon thousands of denominations and sects of Christianity that have broken off. And I do think it's sad that we have become as divided as we are. At one point, I think with the Reformation and some early denominations, denominations defined us. And now it seems mm -hmm. as though denominations just divide us. And so I'd give kind of, uh, kind of how can we stop this? Because I do think it's a splintering that has to stop. Um, even in the world like us, we're non-denominational. We would almost be more interdenominational, right. meaning that all theological uh, uh, people, well, different theological leanings can land in this house. Um, but even in most non-denominational, most of those are denomination that wanted the word non-denomination on it. <laughs> I don't know. Even in major denomination, I came out of the Methodist world and like the way we planted new churches is we were Methodist, but we didn't put it in our name. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, like uh, same we see in the Southern so Baptist. So you wouldn't know right, it by right. looking at yeah, it. You wouldn't yeah. know that we're Methodist, but until you get deep down, in, but still, mm. you know what I mean? And so I think the ways that we have to stop this are a couple of ways. Number one, I do think we have to create enough margin within our faith to um, have differences, but also to be able to be corrected internally instead of every time there's a need for a correction, there has to be some kind of exit or even exile at that point. And so I think there has to be some internal margin allowed within our faith um, that I don't think we have any room for. And I think it's because people think it's a slippery slope. Like, oh, if we let yeah. this, then what are we going to do next? Right? You know what I mean? But I don't, I think that's fear. I think that that's operating out of fear. Um, I think we need a theological humility as well where, and I could say this very strong, that I have strong theological leanings uh, about what I believe on even secondary issues like um, free will versus the elect and predestination, things like that. We have to be able to at some point say, I'm, I feel very much this from reading scripture through my convictions and things like that. But there are people who love the Lord more than me, who pray more than mm -hmm. me, who know the Bible more than me, yeah. that have a different view than me. And it doesn't change my view as much as I can have the theological humility to say maybe they are right. And that, and that mm -hmm. is the second part of that question. Well, who's right? I think none of us are. Right. Like, I do think we're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, oh, you all got some of it, right? And we need to have the humility to at least know that and to say that. And that would lead me to probably my last thing is I also think a big problem is this ever since the Protestant movement moving into our current denominations, it is, all a it is all a desire to find certainty in our faith. And where there is uncertainty or there could be room for um, interpretation, we just argue and split. And I think that comes from a Western view of desiring systematic processes mm. to do things and the bible just isn't systematic in that way and so when we try to make the bible as systematic as we want our process to be then we, we then we sing songs like blessed assurance mm -hmm. jesus is mine meaning that we desire so much to have assurance that we've lost 
any room for mystery. And mm-hmm. we talk about this a yeah. lot, right? Like, right. like, like we want to be so sure that we don't have room for a God that's bigger than what we can understand. Um, and that's why I love about Collectivist Church is, is we know very truly who Jesus is, what he's done for us, life eternal, how we can experience more of him today. We also do know there's moments within our faith that there is a mystery to God because God is a big God and mm-hmm. beyond our understanding. And so, yeah, that's a short, long answer. Yeah. Which one's right? None of us. No. None of us. <laughs> All right. Very good. Question two. Did you hear that? That was a good one. Yeah. You got it again? Here, no. Let me, no, no. Let me go, see. go, Drew. Oh, that's good. You need to get closer to the mic, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good try. Did a good job. We'll see. All right. <clears throat> Game that up in post. Don't. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. I'm excited for your answer on this one. Okay. I'm actually excited for your answer on all of these. But okay. Here we go. What does the future of the Western church look like? So this is really, we wrote this question in just so I could vision for our church. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Just like. Uh, I will say the model the collectivist church is going for is not the way, but I do think it's a way. I think there's a couple things that are the future of the Western church, all for different reasons. Number one, um, post-COVID future church, so maybe just immediate future, might not be long-term future, Mm -hmm. immediate future, the church has to learn to do church cheaper. Mm. Um, national statistics about giving and finances and people trusting the church with their money. And this is not just to do with COVID. It just seemed to come around the same time. I mean, I think with COVID and the economy and things like that, but I think also about that same time, we're just watching more and more churches outwardly misuse money. And so people are trusting the church less with money. And I, and I get that. I do now. I do think you're robbing yourself of some amazing opportunities, um, not to give to the local church and to the kingdom of God through it. And it's a tithing talk I'll give another day. Um, but I do think the future of the church, uh, is done with more money going to more ministries and missions than overhead and buildings and productions and things like that. I do think that's the future of the church if the church wants to survive. I do think that the churches that currently are spending 80 to 90% of its budget on overhead will soon learn that it cannot operate like that in the future. That's just a prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, I mean, that's nothing to really do with the Western church. I think, I mean, that has everything to do with the Western yeah. church, but I don't think it's like the, I don't think that's the crux of this question. Right. The crux of this question is what does the future of the church look like? Um, again, I, 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 I'm all bought into the model we're doing here. And some things, reasons for that is um, I think the future of the church is decentralized for sure. Um, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, um, like a little bit of yeast split into three different batches. And he doesn't really elaborate on that because who he's speaking to understand what yeast does to dough yeast makes dough rise, right? There's a proofing process and doing that proofing process, wherever yeast is, the rest of the dough rises. And we have in the last few hundred years centralized the kingdom of God. And so we've put it in our buildings, on our street corners and in our community and everything in the church begins to rise and it might overflow a little bit into neighboring communities but a decentralized model is taking the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. into neighborhoods into homes and into spaces and where there's a little bit of the kingdom everything begins to rise and so i do think it's a decentralized model i think it's a model where the church is not being done by paid um professional 
ministers and instead it is being done by the people once again which i think is getting us back to the early church i think the future of the church looks more ancient than future i do i think that um we have gone through such a modernization of the church that there we have thrown out the baby with the bathwater in some areas and so now we're going to go back a little bit and try to get to the core principles in that um and so I think there's some more ancient than future looks to it. Um, I think the future of the church um, is about, again, the past few hundred years, it, we've done a community events to try to get the community to come to our church. But with a decentralized model, we don't do community events to get the community in our church. We do community events to get our church into the community right. again. So I think that you're going to see more of a communal um, church, and I think you're going to see more communal living. I think that we're tired of false friendships, um, and so I think you're going to see more lifelong oikoses mm-hmm. being built. I think that um, you're going to see things become less um, managed and uh, if it's going to survive, less managed and overseen by the church and more freedom and release and equipping given. You know, I think we've created disciples. I think we're creating disciples. We've created just people to become reliant uh, that we could use discipleship yeah. in the church lately has been how, who can I use to do the work uh, uh, that the church needs done instead of how can I equip people to go out and do the work of mm. Jesus and so I think that's going to be a big part of it um, I think we've created um, yeah I think we we have been so fearful of people failing that we've stopped them from succeeding so I think the future of the church is willing to fail with someone instead of stopping them from succeeding, which would be equipping them and sending them and not making them dependent on a central pastor or church, but instead equipped and sent out to be the church. So I think the future of the church um, in a lot of ways looks very different. I think on the outside, it looks similar. I mean, it's still going to be buildings. There's still going to be worship services. There's still going to be messages. But where we put our weight is about to change. I do mm-hmm. think that we are, you know, when I don't know if you've or into sports at all drew really much when I, I mean i do know you don't but um uh, i know i know um but in like baseball there's a moment when baseball. yeah there's a moment right, when the pitcher takes his weight from his back foot to his front foot mm. and in that motion is what propels things forward and i do feel like we have had our weight on maybe the wrong foot and we're kind of now about to move forward mm. and our weight's about to shift same in golf right your when your weight begins to shift is when motion begins to happen and i think we're going to see a shift in the church before we see a motion forward mm. as well so that's that that a good. fun question yeah that was a fun question okay this next one's real fun real fun all right <clears throat> a little worried about this one <laughs> here we go are the ten commandments still an appropriate guide for the moral decisions of believers. Now, stay with me. You just heard that question, and you just said, yes, hmm. duh. Doi. Doi. Listen to yeah. some of these, though. Okay. These are some commandments. These are some Ten Commandments. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. Don't give false witness against your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Keep the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. Earlier we were talking about how we don't rest. Mm-hmm. And don't covet. That's just four of them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm four for four on that. Right. Like, Yeah, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you would think, like, we should have it by now. Like, yeah. Right? That's like, the foundation yeah. here. Right, right. Is the Ten Commandments still a good moral guide for Christians today? 
Um, I mean, the answer is yes, it is a good moral guide, but is it our moral guide is a good question. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus realized that we had been living off of the things that we shouldn't do. And so then he basically began to reiterate what we shouldn't do by telling us what we should do. He added to mm. those things, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, shall not murder. We're like, yeah, I got it. Dude. Don't yeah. murder. Like, and most of you, easy, crushing don't murder lately, yeah. right? But then <laughs> lately. He, uh, right, right. But then he goes into things like, you know, but to love your enemies. Like, it's an additive, mm. right? So Jesus never took away from these do nots. But instead, let us know what we should be doing as well. Because when it's just do not, there is loopholes to that. Well, at least I'm not doing this. Yeah. But are you doing what that should be spurring? And, and there's some of these we do not, that, we, that it should be the moral for us, but it is not the moral for us. Um, and then we got commands like do not give false testimony against your neighbor, which is gossip. That's all it is. He's saying, yeah. like, don't speak falsely about someone i guess that's not fully just gossip but it's basically like me and my wife we watch a show uh it's one of our like in between shows and it is uh, a yachting show it's called below deck and it mm. is a um it is uh what do you call uh, reality it's a reality yeah. show about people who work on things and like the drama man like really? the drama with deck hands on yachts they're like yachts mm, okay. it's like yachts and stuff like that and there's this one I won't go into him, but I'm just like, man, like he is always just making up stuff about other people. And I want to like, I want to murder him <laughs> like in watching this. And I just think like how like uh, the, these 10 simple steps, yes, they should be a moral guide and it should, but it should be a moral beginning. Mm. But we're still struggling with the begin, like, like with them at all. Like, and I know we're getting into a question in a second that this will roll into, but like also some of them we don't, think of correctly. So like, um, uh, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I grew up being told that means like if you hit your finger with a thumb, don't say GD, right? Yeah. Like, like that's just not what you do. Um, but man, like we've used it again. We've been like, yeah, okay, I'm going to work on not cussing with the Lord's name involved in it. But instead not realizing that what that meant was to take a name in vain Really, I mean, even it's, if it, at its widest reach is someone who carried a name with them and doing right by that name. And like, mm. so us as Christians, us as followers of Jesus, like using, carrying the name Christ with us and not using it improperly and also um, using it properly. And so it, it should be a moral guy within our life, but man, we struggle with, I'd say seven out of the 10 yeah. daily. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I will say, let me go a little bit more on the Lord's name in vain. Cause I know we're about to ask a political question. Um, like we're about to enter into a year where you're going to watch the Lord's name be used in vain and applauded by different sections of Christianity on both sides of political mm -hmm. parties. People are going to try to get the evangelical vote by using the Lord's name for their personal gain. And I'm just telling you now that is a dangerous and slippery slope if those people aren't under the authority of God and yet are trying to use the authority of God for personal gain. This is why Jesus flipped tables in the temple. It wasn't that they were selling merchandise. It's that they were using the Lord's name for their personal gain incorrectly without glorifying God. And we do it a lot. Churches do it a lot. 
he, uh, politicians do it a lot. Um, parents, Christian parents, we do it a lot, right? And so should it be the moral code? Yeah, I think we need to go back to it a lot, not because we need to know what we can't do, but to see it as a starting point of what we should be doing yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that does lead us into the next question. Yeah, let's get political, baby. Let's get political. Let's get political. How does an election year affect the church, and how should it affect the church? I was... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you. You put out a fire Instagram yeah, post we're gonna about read it. this. We're going to read the Instagram post. Okay. As basically how I don't think I've ever this. shared an Instagram post faster in my life. <laughs> really? I was like, this is... Well, it's funny. My wife was uh, laying with Kai, our son, to get him to go to sleep. And she was like, hey, man, like he's struggling going to sleep. I'm like, take your time. I'm like, I'm over here just writing political posts. <laughs> and she's like, where did you post it? I'm like... I haven't. It's just like in my phone, in drafts, yeah. and I'll just wait till I have a glass of wine last one night, and then I'll <laughs> post it. And then, like five minutes later, I posted, and she said, "Did you already drink a glass of wine?" <laughs> I was like, "No, I just decided uh, to post it. I'm not political, and my post is not political. Mm -hmm. I last year had a day. I have a downer day every now and then, where I just was so scared." Because I thought maybe we as a church had painted ourselves into a corner that we couldn't get out of. Because I realized over the past three years that we had built one of the most diverse churches I've ever experienced. And it's different than diversity, I thought. When I thought I wanted diversity, I thought I want half black people, half white people, <laughs> right? right? Um, we have built such a diverse church, yes, culturally. Yeah, we have, you know, African-American, Caucasian, Hispanic, Asian within our church. But um, it is not the most diverse that way, It's, but it is the most diverse when it comes truly to um, uh, financial, um, political, theological. Like, we have people from every denomination yeah. background. We have people coming here who are Satanists, who are Wic Wiccans, who come to know Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. We have people who are far left, people who are far right. We have people who work in politics. We have people who are libertarians and think the politics shouldn't even be in this world, right? Like we and we and we do, and we have uh, ethnically different. And I thought this is wonderful. And then I remembered that next year was 2024, <laughs> and I thought... Which is now. Which is now, and I thought, this could be detrimental. Because when you're this divided uh, within opinions and thoughts, yet you've chosen unity in the church, it won't take much to kind of pick at those scabs mm -hmm. of division until we begin to really bleed. And I got really worried about this next year. And then I thought, man, I don't know, we have built a church that I really believe has learned to set aside our preferences for the purpose of Jesus. And so how will a political year um, affect the church? I think it'll have a huge impact on the American Western church. I think that it shouldn't, but it will. And so I just wrote my prayers for the Western church as we enter another political year, and we can talk about each one of them. Uh, the first one I posted was, I pray that you make it to the other side of November 5th with your compassion intact. Mm -hmm. And so the way I think the church should be responsive right now is to be compassionate to all people um, on either side of the party line. 
because one of the things that will be used by political figures and parties will they will make you callous to the feelings and to the passions of the opposite party. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that we can keep our compassion intact. Um, the second thing was, um, I pray that you do not fall victim to the lies of our adversary and begin to view each other as an enemy instead of the brothers and sisters that mm -hmm. we are. And so this is one of my biggest things. Um, I talk about, uh, you've heard me give the ant analogy before, but um, when I was a kid, I would go to an ant pile I was told to do this. I was not just an ant yeah, bully, were, right? Yeah, yeah. So at our cabin, we had a cabin in Highland Home, and we had fire ant beds that would pop up all around these acres of land. And before everybody, our family would go out there, I was supposed to go kill all the ants so that we could play out there without somebody getting destroyed by fire ants. Yeah. And we were cheap people, and so we didn't have any kind of poison. Instead, I would take a shovel, and I would scoop up one ant bed, and then I'd go find the closest ant bed. And I would jump, drop that pile of ants in there, and then I would take a scoop out of that ant bed and go drop it in the other pile mm -hmm. of ant beds. And they would all kill each other. They would fight each other. And people were like, why would they fight each other? They didn't do that to each other. You did that. Yeah, but they didn't know I did that. What they know is all of a sudden out of nowhere, everything's falling apart and there's new ants around that look different than me. And it's I gotta do, be them. It's gotta yeah. be them. And, and and the joke I give on Sundays is if all of a sudden in the middle of service our roof was ripped off and out of the debris and we look up, there's twice as many people. Like I hope you guys start punching the people you don't know. Because obviously <laughs> they, they did, did this. this to us, right? And that is how we have become politically within the church and within the world mm. is there are people, a select few people who are stirring us up and putting us against each other. And just because we can't see them in our everyday life, we begin to view those who are around us when things fall apart as the enemy. And that is not the full truth. And we should come to know the full truth. And that is, I think, a lie of the enemy. And it's making people adversaries instead of brothers and sisters. Number three, I said, I pray that you choose unity in the midst of our differences, which will lead to diversity instead of division. That's just a core principle of our church in general, that um, the root of diversity and division is the same. It's differences. It's what you do with them. I think unity is a choice. I think we have a choice, even this political season, to vote the way that you should feel like you should vote, but also be unified with those mm -hmm. who vote differently than you. And then last is that I pray this is the year that the world knows that we are Jesus' disciples by our love, contrasting the hate being pushed by political parties. And so in all of this, I think you can have your conviction and also have compassion. I think you can vote how you think you should vote, and I think you should vote. Um, but I think you can also be loving and kind and gracious, and we don't have to revert to hate and order like you don't have to tear down somebody else to elevate something right you can elevate your values your views and your principles without tearing down um, brothers and sisters in the meantime um, and I think it'll help us get through another year how do I think the church is going to respond politically for the most part and I think it's going to be a tragedy on mm -hmm. both sides um, but that, this is how collectivist is going to respond so yeah yeah that's good that's good we did it we Those were it. a few of Ben's favorite Those things. Those were a few of my favorite things. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you can there are next real week. questions next week. Yeah. Those were real questions. Those are real questions. Uh, but they weren't your real questions, and we hope that we can get your real questions next week. I hope so, as too. As we continue the patterns of Jesus. Rest and renewal. Rest and renewal. That's next week. Come rest with us. Yeah, hope you get some R&R. &R. Yep. Um, we'll see you next week, huh?
No, no, no. I'm pointing at you. Can talk now. Say your name. Uh, Benasia Glenn Nelson. There, Glenn. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it's that. Unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Bummer. I am Drew Mercer. Yeah. And you don't want to give us a middle. No. No need. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't we'll like my middle name. I'll do, we'll play the game. I don't like my middle name. My middle name is my grandmother's maiden name.